Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our Dangerous Prayer series, in which we are challenged to pray for incredible things from God and believe that He will answer. We hope this message will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. As we come to our time in the Word of God this morning, before we read Psalm 139, I want to ask you this question. The question is simple. Do you like to be shown that you are wrong or that you can improve? If you're honest, you just thought to yourself, no way. (laughs) Except for most husbands. Most husbands love. We love being told that we're wrong or, okay, that's a lie. Listen, none of us, no one likes, no one likes to be told you're wrong. No one likes to be told, hey, uh, you can improve here. I remember back when I was a teenager and in, in my early years of college, I was 19 or 20, and uh, I remember just going through life, and I had a friend pull me aside, and uh, he pulled me aside. It was right when I was uh, starting to date Hannah. Well, we didn't really even date. It was right when I was planning on getting engaged to Hannah, and uh, I remember... We were, uh, we were on our way back from a Mariners baseball game, and I w- was going to see Hannah soon, and I already knew, man, she's the one, and we'd only been talking for a month, but I just knew she's the one, we're going to get married. And I remember this friend sitting in the seat of the van, and he looks at me, and he said, Dennis, can I encourage you with something? I was like, yeah, what is it? He was like, don't blow it. I said, what do you mean? He was like, Hannah is the best thing that's ever happened to you. And usually you're an idiot when it comes to girls. I was like, what's that supposed to mean? And he's like, Dennis, in high school, you've had like three or four girlfriends. And I'm sorry, he was right. And he was like, and, and you don't know, you don't know how to just get serious with one. And Dennis, you need to understand, if you blow this, he said this, if you blow this, you're an idiot. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, you, you jerk. But I was also thinking, he is 100% correct. If I blow this, man, I, I, I've lost the one that God has for me. Listen, nobody likes to be told you're wrong and here's how you can improve. I wonder, what do you think it would be like to have God tell you, you're wrong, and here's how you can improve. There's a lot of us that we would say, no, I don't like that. The reason often is we don't like to be told how we can improve as an individual, as a leader, as a teacher, as a boss, as an employee, as a student, as a son, daughter, mom, dad, grandparent. We don't like to be told we can improve or that we're wrong. Why? Because we don't like having our faults exposed. We want people to think the best of us. The truth is we're insecure about it, aren't we? Man, we're insecure about somebody telling you, here's how you could be a better husband. Hey, you've been a jerk to your wife. Here's how you need to step up. Hey, you've been a horrible mom. Here's how, man, we don't want to hear that. Why? Because we look in the mirror and we have this self-confidence speech. You know the one, hey, it's okay. You can do well today. You're a good dad. You're a good, and, we, and maybe you don't do that. I don't do it very much, but there are times you look in the mirror and you, you're trying to encourage yourself. Why? Because we don't want our faults to be exposed. But what I wanna challenge you with this morning is a very simple thought. And that thought is today, I wanna encourage you this week to say, God, expose me. God, open my faults. 
God, show me what you already know. We're gonna find this and discover it with David in Psalm 139 when he cries out, search me, oh God. We're gonna be, be challenged with this thought, God, you know me. So God, I'm gonna ask you, show me what you know about me that I don't even know. That's what the prayer is. I want you to notice it with me. Stand, if you would, Psalm 139. Just two verses as we get started. Psalm 139, beginning in verse number 23. And notice what David says. He cries out, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Search me, O God, know my heart, try me and know my thoughts. And if you see, God, if you see anything that's wicked, you see anything that shouldn't be there, let me know it's there and then lead me. Really, this is a fourfold prayer request that David prays. Search me, try me, know me, lead me. But all of it comes back down to that phrase, search me. And this morning, I wanna encourage you to, with me, look at the message and say, all right, why did David pray this and what was he praying? And then how can I take this? this it's a dangerous prayer. How can I take this dangerous prayer and bring it into my life so that I might be closer to God this week? Every one of us need to recognize God wants you closer tomorrow to him than you are today. He wants me closer to him tomorrow than I am today. But shallow prayers aren't gonna do that. A shallow walk with God is not gonna do that. We've gotta get dangerous. We've gotta get deep. I'd like to ask you with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, would you just take a moment and just in the quietness of your own heart, would you ask God to speak to you? Ask God to speak to you and then make a commitment. God, if you speak to me, if you speak to me, I'm listening to you and I'll respond. Dear God, thank you for the word of God. Thank you for how you use it to work in our lives. And Lord, I pray that as we come into the Bible this morning, that you would once again reveal to us what needs to change, what needs to be challenged, how we can be convicted, and how we can grow closer to you. Lord, if there's someone here this morning that does not know if they have a relationship with you, I pray that today they would see that one of the purposes that you have for them in life is that they would have a relationship with you through Jesus Christ. God, if there's someone watching online that does not know that heaven is where they'd spend eternity, help them today to trust you as Savior. And Lord, for every believer that's here, would you help us? Would you challenge us? Would you work within us this morning as you see fit? We love you. We thank you for your love and what you're going to do this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You go ahead and be seated. As you come to Psalm 139, of course, we need to know that uh, the entire psalm, all 24 verses, is a prayer from David to God. Uh, it's not necessarily David speaking to anybody else. It's David actually just having a conversation with the Lord. And as a matter of fact, as you look at this, uh, David just really, he, he pours out his heart to God. He opens everything up to him, and then he concludes, he concludes the entire uh, prayer with the words that we just read. Search me, O God, and try me. Know my thoughts, and, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Uh, he just prays those prayer, that, that prayer of search me, O God. Now, 
I'll tell you this, that at first glance, in all honesty, if you've been in church for any length of time, if you've ever read this prayer before, this psalm before, at very first glance, we would probably come to the conclusion that David, he's, he's giving God permission to search his life. That, that's really, even when I first was reading this and studying this, that's kind of the assumption I came to. This is David saying, God, I give you permission to search me. That's not what it is. We, we give God permission to uh, work in our lives and move in our lives to call us to action. The Bible says that God is never gonna force himself into our lives. But here's the truth that we're gonna see this morning. We don't need to give God permission to search us because he already knows us. He already knows exactly what's there. And so this morning, I want us to see that this isn't necessarily David giving God permission to look into his life and his heart and his actions. This is David recognizing that God already knows him. And so David is asking God, God, I want you to show me what you know. I give you permission to show me where I'm wrong. And God, God that's what I give you permission to do, like to show me. Don't keep these things from me. Search me, try me, know me, lead me. As we travel through this today, I want us to notice a couple of things. First, I want us to start by understanding what David recognized, this truth, God knows me. God knows me. Take your Bible and look with me, if you would, at the first six verses of this psalm. This psalm is one where David starts out by basically saying, God, my life is an absolute open book before you. Notice verse number one, Psalm 139, verse one, David prayed this, O Lord, thou hast searched me, and known me. Hey, God, you've searched me and you've known me. This phrase, it means David is saying, God, you have thoroughly examined me and you completely understand me. That's the searched and known. God, you have thoroughly examined me and you completely understand me. And then David proceeds to uh, pray kind of an explanation to the Lord. Three things that David states, God, you know about me. God, you know my ways. Notice verse number two. David says, God, you know my ways. Verse two and three. He says, thou, praying to God, you know my down-sitting and mine uprising. You understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. What is he saying? David is simply saying, hey, Lord, you know the course of my action or the, the course of my life. You know the actions of my life. God, you know when I go to bed, you know when I wake up, and you know everything in between. Verse number three, you know the, the path that I walk, the life that I live, God, you know it. You know my ways. You know the direction of my heart, my decisions, my mind. God, you know the direction of my life. God knows me. He knows my ways. Notice also verse number four, he knows my words. God knows my words. Notice what David said in verse number four. It's the wrong reference on the screen, but it's the right verse. Psalm 139, verse four, he says, for there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. God, not only do you know my ways, the direction of my life, but, but God, you know my words. Did you know that God knows every single word you speak? And as a matter of fact, he knows every single word you think. God knows that. 
He knows the words we use and God knows how we use our words. He knows the words before we even speak them. He knows what we mean by the words that we speak. He knows the words that we mumble that no one else hears. He knows the words that we think that no one else will ever hear. God knows our words. He knows the words that we say under our breath to our spouse or to our boss or to our friend or to our coworker. He knows the words that we say when our loved one or that old friend does something that we disapprove of. God knows our words. Did you know the Bible actually tells us that we're gonna give an account of every word, how we steward the words that we speak. I think if we approached each day realizing he knows our words, we'd probably use them a little bit better, wouldn't we? We'd probably wanna speak more encouragement into people's lives. We'd probably wanna worship him more with our words. We'd probably wanna glorify him more in our conversation. Why? Because he knows me. What does he know? He knows my ways. He knows the direction of my life. He knows the words that I speak, but I want you to see also he knows my whys. He knows my whys. You say, pastor, what is the whys? He knows the motives. He knows the motives. He knows why you do what you do. Notice verse number two. At the end of it, David said this, thou understandest my thought afar off. God, you know what I'm doing and you know the thought, the reason behind what it is that I'm doing. God, you know the very reason why I'm at church on a Sunday. God, you know the reason why I will get up and go to work and feed my family. And you know the reason why I will try to be an encouragement to the God. You know the reason why I save money. You know the reason why I give. You know the reason why I fill in the blank. God knows the reasons. You see, sometimes we know the motive is not correct behind the action. We know that maybe the action's correct, but our reason for doing it is not. It's like the, it's like the teenager. The teenager that knows that mom and, dad, mom and dad want me to help with the groceries. Pastor Skelly was talking about this on, on Thursday night, talking about helping his sons carry in the groceries if you were here. And, you know, this is the teenager that says, I, I'm gonna help mom and dad carry in the groceries, but I don't want to. I don't care about the fact that I eat these two. I don't care about the fact that I'm part of it. And the motive behind it. God knows the motive behind every single action we take in life. So what is David doing? I believe David's drawing his mind to the fact that God knows me. Hey, God knows every single thing about you. He knows your ways, the direction of your life. He knows the words He knows the whys. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter four and verse number 13, how much God knows. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. Notice this, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. You see, God doesn't just see the outside, he sees the inside too. He knows you. God knows me. I see secondly today, not only does David realize God knows me, but David brings out a thought in verse seven through verse number 12, and that is this, that God is with me. Not only does God know me, but God's with me. Notice verse number seven, it's really a great intro into the entire passage. 
where David says this, whither shall I go from thy spirit or whither shall I flee from thy presence? What a great thought. David says, hey, God, you are with me no matter what. You are, you are with me no matter where I go. Verse number five, he says this, thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thine hand upon me. I love this verse. Where's Dennis at? Dennis, come here real quick. <clears throat> He's a little big for this, but Mike is in kids' class, so I'm gonna use Dennis. <clears throat> when Dennis was a little, little boy, we would, uh, we, we try to, and we still do every now and then, try to go down to, to Disneyland. He's not little, very little anymore, is he? Uh, we try, we'll try to, try to go down to Disneyland, still try to do it. When, when they were real little, you know, when they were about uh, three, four, five years old, we'd go to Disneyland. Uh, man, it gets packed there. Some days, I remember one day, we're standing in lines for hours, you know, and it was just, it was graduation day. There's tons of teenagers, the most people I've seen at Disneyland ever. You know, when we were there with our children, I, I walk fast going to Disneyland. I have the whole, you can ask Hannah, ask the kid. I, I have Disneyland, I know it, I memorize, I know the lands, I know where they're at, I know where the ride's at, and I'm like, we're beating everybody else to wherever we're going. And so I tell them, follow me and stay with me. But when they were little, now I'm kind of like, keep your eyes on me because if you get lost, you'll figure it out, you know? When they were little, you know what we would do? I'd, I would go first, and then you'd have Dennis, Lena, Micah, and then Hannah. And we'd make a little train. And usually I would say, hold on to dad. And so behind me would be Dennis, and he'd hold my pants, or he'd hold my shirt, or he'd hold my hand. It's kind of weird now that you're like 14. Huh? <laughs> Want me to kiss you? Nope. Okay. We'd, we'd hold hands. You sure? Okay. We'd hold hands, and you know what we do? We're walking through Disneyland, man. I'm cruising. I'm going, and, and I keep the kids with me. But you know what? The verse says, and this is so cool. Look at what it says. Thou hast beset me behind and before, and laid thine hand upon me. You know what that verse is saying? It's saying, God, in, in my path, in my life, you surround me and you lay your hand upon me. You're, he's the heavenly father that says, all right, I'm with you, let's go. All right, I'm with you, let's go. Man, he's, he's with me every step of the way. What a thought. What a thought. Thanks, dude, you did a job. Thank you. you sure you don't want that kiss? Okay. Man, he's, he's with me every step of the way. What an awesome truth. I want you to notice with me the extent to which David goes to explain this concept. Because David doesn't just say, God, you're with me. David says in verse seven, he says, whither shall I flee from my presence? How, how am I gonna escape you? And then notice how he continues, verse eight, it's so cool. If I ascend up into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, the word hell here just simply means death. When I die, thou art there. I just tell you that if you're a child of God, future is, whatever my future is, God is there. And can I just tell you that if you're a child of God, then God, he is at every, he's, he is already at your destinations. You realize that this morning, that God is already in your tomorrow. I love, I love, it's an old song, no more letting the clouds of tomorrow still the sunshine of the day. Why? Because God is already in tomorrow. 
He's already there. He's already existing. He is, he is the uh, uh, eternal God that is already in your tomorrows. And that's what David's saying in verse number eight. Verse number nine and 10, David says this, if I take the wings of morning and I dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea uh, and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. David is, is uh, picturing something and we've seen it and those of you that have been to Israel with us or will go to Israel, you'll see it as well. Uh, the wings of morning. David, man, on many, many a mornings, David would be looking to the east, the way that the sun rises. And, and maybe you've watched a, a sunrise here in Moses Lake or somewhere else. Man, right when it peaks up over the mountains. And wow, I showed the picture last week of a sunrise on the Sea of Galilee, one of my most favorite things. And right as it peaks over the mountains, man, those rays of that sun, it's almost like you can just see the rays of light. We've seen them in Moses. We have beautiful sunrises and sunsets here in Moses Lake. And I don't see the sunrise too much because I like sleep and I don't like mornings. But uh, here, you know what? When you see that sunrise or anywhere and you see those, those rays, that's what David is referring to as the wings of morning. He's saying, if I were to hop on one of those rays, the wings of morning, and I were to go to the very extent, the farthest place that I could see, God, you'd be there. And then he says, or dwell and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea. If David was watching the sunrise in the east, behind him, west, would be the Mediterranean Sea. And David says, if I were to go as far east as I can or go to the uttermost parts of the sea. You see, back then, that Mediterranean Sea into the Atlantic Ocean, that was the end of the world. They didn't know about us. Here's what David is saying. Hey, God, wherever I go, the furthest extent. Verse eight, my future, you, you know. My past, you know. Verse nine and 10, God, wherever I go, wherever I go, I will never, ever, ever flee from your presence. Notice what he says, verse 11 and 12. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be uh, light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day, and darkness and the light are both alike unto thee. The word darkness here is uh, simply meaning sorrow and misery and destruction. David's saying, hey, the darkness and the, the dread of life, the trials of life, the sorrows of life, God, it's no bother to you. Darkness is as light to you. You see, we often, when we're in darkness, it's just like being in a dark room. You don't see what's happening. You don't see what's going on. You don't see what's taking place in the room. God, David's saying, God, darkness is as light to you. So even in, even in the dark situations of my life, and we've all been there, haven't we? We've all had the dark situations. We talked last week about the, the, the situations of despair when that, when that C word is used or when a, a loved one passes away or when we hit a financial crisis that just happens and, and literally pulls the rug out from under us or, or that loved one gets sick, whatever the case may be. We've all been in those dark situations to say, God, I just don't see what's going on. And you know what God does? God says, hey, it's light to me. This is light to me. I, I already know and I'm with you. What a thought. Reminds me of the father and son who would go camping. You know, when you get camping and you're out there in the middle of nowhere, some of you have been camping. How many of you like camping? You like it. All right, God bless you. God bless you, yeah. 
Uh, my camping is Holiday Inn. I love, <clears throat> love camping at a, at a Spring Hill Suite or a Wingate or, you know, I'll even settle for a Motel 6, you know, <laughs> if it's a nice one. Uh, that, that is really camping, yeah. That's going to the hood for camping. Uh, <laughs> If you get out there and go camping, and we have that men and boys camp out, and, and I've been camping before, and man, you get out there, and, and when you get back in the, in, the, in the thick of the woods, it gets dark. This story, this verse kind of reminds me of that story of that little boy and his dad going camping, and they're there in their, in their tent at night, and dad reaches over. He's about to turn that flashlight or that lantern off, and the, the boy says, Dad, please don't turn that off. I'm scared of the dark, Dad. You know that. The dad says, son, don't worry about it. I'll, I'll be right here. I'll be right here. Dad, please don't, dad, please don't turn the light off. And that little dad says, it's, it's okay, son. Click, that light goes off. And that little boy is there in darkness, thick darkness, can't see. And that little boy just simply asks two questions. Hey, dad, are you still here? The dad says, yeah, I'm still here. Hey, dad, is, is your face toward me? Dad, dad, are you looking my way? Yeah, son, my face is toward you. That's what I'm reminded of with this, man. The, the darkness is light to him. And there are times in your life when you and I feel like God maybe has turned his back or he's moved away. His face is always towards you. No matter your darkness, his face is right there. He, you're light to him. He sees you. What a concept. What a thought. God knows me. Secondly, God's with me. I love the verse. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Man, he's with me. The thought I heard this week, and I love the statement, you will never walk through a door of triumph or adversity where God is not already on the other side. You're never gonna have a trial that God's not already in. You're never gonna have a victory that God's not already a part of. Why? Because God knows you. God is with you. Thirdly, David says this, and God made me. God made me. I love these verses, and I, we, don't, we don't have time really to elaborate on everything, so I'm just gonna read through them and explain them very quickly. Psalm 139, verse 13. David says, for thou hast possessed my reins, and thou hast covered me in my mother's wombs. My mother's womb. You have, you have possessed my reins and covered me in my mother's womb. He's simply saying this, hey, God, you are the one who designed me. This is one of those reasons that I believe that life begins within the womb. The very moment of conception is a child. That's why I stand as a pastor against abortion. You say, pastor, you don't know my past. I've had an abortion. I'm not talking about your past. I'm talking about the future and the word of God helping us understand that life begins at the point of conception. And this is a great place where David says, when I was in the very womb, God, you were designing me. God is the one who created you. Notice how he created you. David said this, I, I'll, I'll praise you, God. Why? Because I am fearfully and I am wonderfully made and marvelous are thy works and that my soul knoweth right well. He's saying, hey, God, when you created me, you did it. You gave great honor and great respect and great time and great attention just to me. I want you to know this morning that when you were created, you weren't just another little uh, product on the product line. There wasn't an assembly line with your life. No, God looked at you and he said, I'm gonna create you and I'm gonna make you like nobody else. I'm gonna give you a character like nobody else. I'm gonna get, and some of you have one. He said, I'm gonna give you DNA like nobody else. I'm gonna give you looks. Listen, somebody else, you might have a, you might even be a twin, but that twin is not an exact replica of you. Listen, seven billion people in this world and you are the only you and God made you that way. 
Man, what a thought. What an amazing concept that David's writing, and we know God inspired him to pin these words. Hey, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That means I am made with awe, and I am made in wonder. God said, you are the only uh, Jim Kimball I'm ever going to make. You are the only Matthew Allison I'm ever going to make. You're the only Dolores Provost I'm ever, you're the only one that I'm ever going to create. Man, what a, what a concept, what a thought. Verse 15, he says this, my substance, the very character, the very DNA, the very thread of who I am, it was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. David simply saying, God, you knew who I was in the womb, my substance, my character, my makeup, my personality, everything about me, you knew. Those of you parents, you remember when you found out you were having a child? Man, as soon as you find out, uh, there's excitement, and then it begins to be, how do we let everybody know? How do we tell everybody? Now they're coming up with all these great ways on social media to post all these videos and all that stuff. Us, it was like, who do we call first? Some of you, it was like, who do we telegraph first, you know? <laughs> Some of it was like, where do we send the pigeons, the doves? I got to send a message out. Some of you are like, just tell Noah. Listen, when you found out you were expecting, sorry, Dad. When you found out you were expecting, it was an exciting thing. How do we tell everybody? Because no one knows. You know one person you didn't have to tell? God. Because he knew before you knew. He knew what was going on. He knew what was in there. That's what David's saying. Hey, my substance, who I was, it's not hid from you. Before I was made in secret, nobody else knew, but God knew. His eyes, thine eyes, did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book, all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. You know, David's closing this thought by simply saying, he's saying this, before I was even complete, before I was even complete, you saw me and I was complete in your book. I was complete in your eyes. Wow. Wow. To think that the God who spoke this world into the unit, this world into existence, He took time to form you. He gave special attention to you. God began the process of forming your life before you even had life. And before you came into the mind of your parents and those who would probably were supposed to love you most, God was already thinking of you and you already were in His mind. God made you and He made you with his plan and his blueprint in his image for his purposes. One purpose is that you might have a relationship with him. That you might know that you have eternal life because of Jesus Christ. I would tell you this morning that all of these truths are, are, are great truths, but the very, uh, at the very root of it is God's love for you to say, I create you with a plan to know me as your Savior. And if you're here and you don't know that Jesus Christ is in your life, I would tell you the most important decision that you could ever make. If you're online with us and you don't know Christ is in your life, the most important that you, decision that you could ever, ever make is to know for sure that your life is in his hands. To know for sure that you've put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ and in him alone. You see, because religion won't get you to heaven and a good uh, church won't get you to heaven and baptism will not get you to heaven. Any sort of good deeds that you do will not get you a relationship with God. The only relationship that you can have with God must come because you put your faith in Jesus Christ and in him alone. And that's our purpose. And God made us with that purpose.
And David, me. God knows me. Hey, God, he, he, he made me. God, he's, he's with me. One man said it this way, God began, began the process of forming your life even before you even took your first breath. Not only does he, not, not only does he know me, not only did he make me, not only does, is he with me, but we also need to see today that God loves me. He did all of this with love at the foundation. Notice the love portrayed in verse 17 and 18. David says, how precious, how precious are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. I want you to think about this right now. Think about this. God made you, he's with you, and he knows all about you. And in spite of all of that, he loves you. Say, Pastor, in spite of all that, I think I'm a pretty good person. Apparently, you don't know you. (laughs) Because every one of us, at the root, every one of us know, man, there's times that I'm unlovable. There's times that I I don't even like being with me, and I live with me. God says, hey, in spite of all of this, I love you. In spite of all he knows about you, he still loves you. He's never going to walk out on you. God's never going to divorce you. He's never going to give up on you. He's never going to turn the cold shoulder toward you. He's never going to give you the silent treatment. There is security in your relationship with God. Why? Because there is an unconditional acceptance and love from God toward you. Wow. So David, he's here praying. And he prays, he says, God, you know me. Because of all of this, we find David then closing with that thought. So God, search me. God, search me. Notice a few thoughts very quickly. The last few verses say this. Surely thou wilt slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, ye bloody men. For they speak against thee wickedly, and thine enemies take thy name in vain. Do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate thee, and am not I grieved with those that rise up against thee? I hate them with a perfect hatred. I count them mine enemies. David just simply says in these verses, God, I know how much you hate sin, and I know how much you hate wickedness. I know, God, that you desire a different plan in my life. And with that knowledge, then David prays, so God, search me. God, look within me. In these verses, David is saying, God, you already know more about me than I know about myself. I mean, that's the recap that he's given. God, you know me. You made me. I I go nowhere without you. You absolutely know me inside and out. So God, here's my request. Show me what you know. God, show me what you know for me to be. God, show me me. In these In this verse, this uh, uh, search me and and try me and know me and lead me, he's simply praying, God, I want you to show me the motives that you know. God, show me the actions, try my heart. Or or when he says try me, it means to test my actions. God, I want you to give me the reasons of who I am and why I do what I do. God, reveal to me the heart that that is within me. And then, God, I want you to lead me. 
God, I, I want you to lead me. You see, with all of his heart, David wanted to please God. And, and so wanting to honor God with every aspect of his life, he prayed, searched me. God, search me, look into my life. And if there's anything that you see, lead me in a different path. Show me where I'm wrong. Show me where I need to change. Show me the different direction that I need to go. Search me, know me, try me, lead me. And, and if you look at this thought, knowing the context, knowing the passage that David laid out, what a difficult prayer. What a difficult prayer to pray. This is you sitting across the table from the person who knows you best and you saying, show me where I'm wrong and show me how to change. When's the last time you had that conversation? Oh, probably never. When's the last time you sat across from your spouse or your best friend and you said, listen, you know me better than anybody. Correct me. Correct me, show me where I'm wrong and show me how to change. This is David sitting across from the God of the universe who knows everything about him and saying, God, show me where I'm wrong and show me how to change. What courage it took to pray this. Not only is this prayer difficult to pray, but it's even more challenging to apply and to live out. Because if you have the courage to pray it, then you need to exercise the courage to live what God shows you in reply. My dad has written in his Bible next to these verses, he has this phrase written, the most courageous thing David ever did. These words, this is the most, I mean, you're talking about David who slew Goliath and David who ran for his life from Saul and then took out the Philistines and then raised his son to become one of the greatest kings that Israel would ever know. We're talking about David who stood up against his own son Absalom and, and David who helped gather all of the stuff to build the temple of God. This is that David. All those courageous things. And you look and this is one of the most courageous things he ever did. Why? Because he said, God, you know me, you're with me, you made me, you love me. And so God, show me all of that, what you know, and then lead me. What you show me, I will act upon. David was, was admitting, God, you know me, will you help me to know me? This prayer, can I tell you this, to you and to redirect your life and to change in prayer has the potential to convict you and to correct you and to redirect your life and to change the way that you see your very self. It literally will change how you see you and also how you see others. But someone here might wonder, why should I ask God to search my heart? I mean, he already knows what's inside. I think I know it, he knows it, so why ask him the obvious? Can I tell you, on the surface, it would seem like we know our hearts sometimes, won't it? It seems like that. I know my motives. I know what's most important. I mean, I know why I do what I do. I mean, after all, I've got a good heart. I'm not trying to hurt people. I want to do what's right. My, my heart's not that bad. That's not what God said. Jeremiah 17, nine and 10, God inspired Jeremiah to write these words, the heart the heart of man, it's deceitful above all things. Oh, and that's not all. It's desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, I the Lord, search the heart. And I try the reins, the life, the motives, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. Jeremiah told us the truth. None of us have a good heart. In fact, our heart is not only not good, but it is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? It's easy to pretend that we're good at heart at our core, but 
most people are always about themselves. We are about the temporary, not the eternal. It is often that we are about what is easy, not what is best and what is right. Our heart is often obsessed with what we want, not what God wants. And then when we face conviction or challenge, we begin to rationalize, don't we? Well, I'm not that bad. I'm not materialistic. I just like nice things. I'm not a gossip. I just like telling so that other people can know how to pray and know the truth. I don't have a problem with this. It's just this is my one thing I do to cope. I really don't think those words. They just come out sometimes when I'm, when I'm stressed or under pressure. I really don't think that. Can I tell you this morning that search me is probably one of the most important prayers that you and I can pray because it's simply saying, God, you know the core. Cut it open and reveal it to me because I want to change. And what search me is, is search me as a prayer of open surrender to the Lord. Open surrender says, God, I want to know everything and I want to change. There's a lot of people who surrender. Okay, God, I, I give up fighting. I give up fighting, I won't fight you anymore. Open surrender says, I'm not gonna fight, I'm actually gonna follow. I'm not gonna fight, I'm gonna follow. See, we can surrender and still stand our ground. But God says, I don't want that. You know what some of us would profit from? Some of us would profit from our openness with the Lord. Or excuse me, some of us would profit too in openness with the Lord if we simply would get open with God. If we would say, God, search me. God, you know me. Show me me. As I close this morning, I say this. Have you ever noticed how a lot of relationships that people have are superficial relationships? Not a lot of folks have deep relationships, especially nowadays with so much media and, and all that stuff. I don't know why that is. It's because the hardest people to fool are the people who know you best. The easiest people to fool are the people who know you least. Can I tell you this morning, all too often, we try to have a superficial relationship with God. We pretend like everything's okay. We just kind of do our thing. We pray our prayers. We give our, our, our time a little bit. And here's what we need to understand this morning. I need to have this idea of saying, God, I'm not putting on a front anymore. You know me. Show me me. So this morning, I want to challenge you with this. Will you pray with a spirit of surrender, open surrender? Ask God to search you and to show you who you really are, what's really there. But don't just have the courage to ask him to search you. Have the courage to search me and show me what's wrong. Show me how to change it. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit Moses Lake Baptist Church dot com.